Hello, my name is Kip Harry, Conference Director at Cambridge Health Tech Institute, and today we have a special podcast for the upcoming Epigenetic Inhibitor Discovery Meeting, part of the 9th Annual Drug Discovery Chemistry Event, April 23rd to 25th in beautiful San Diego, California. We are very excited today to have one of our speakers uh, on the line joining us via phone, Dr. Matthew Fuchter. He's Senior Lecturer, Synthetic and Medicinal Chemistry in the Department of Chemistry at the Imperial College of London. Matthew, are you there? Yeah, I am, Kip. Good to speak to you. Good, thank you. So let's jump right into it. We have a lot of questions here. Very excited to talk to you. So a portion of your research, Matt, focuses on discovery and development of novel epigenetic inhibitors. And these aim to modulate methylation or acetylation environments, particularly on histone tails. So from an inhibitor development standpoint, what sort of methods do you use for your discovery to lead projects? Well, I guess the first thing we have to consider in any project is how we may discover a hit molecule in the first place. Now, as a general rule of thumb, we're an academic group and we don't really have access to a large chemical library that would enable us to screen against a novel target. So we often have to draw some kind of evidence from the literature and use that as our start point. So for example, we may use compounds that have already been identified to hit that target as our start points, and they may be naturally isolated compounds, or they may be non-natural synthetic compounds, and they may be compounds that hit our precise target, or a related target, or a more broadly homologous target. And we'll often use that information to draw a hypothesis which will then lead us on the way. Often we also employ computational design, again, either to discover novel hits or to subsequently progress the hits that we have. And then once we identify hits, we spend some time trying to validate that they're robust and they can be developed. And then we use hypothesis-led iterative medicinal chemistry to optimize these compounds to a given endpoint. Now, Matt, you mentioned natural products, and I want to get into that a little bit. So why do you use natural products, particularly for epigenetic, targeting epigenetic modifiers? And I guess another question is, these are novel targets. Is there a limited chemical matter for this space? Well, in terms of natural products, I mean, I think it's fair to say that they have a really rich and long history as pharmacologically active agents. I mean, many of the common medicines that we take today are at least in part, derived from naturally isolated compounds. And you could pick many different disease areas. I mean, for example, if we pick cancer and paclitaxel and vinblastin are both naturally isolated compounds that are used in chemotherapy regimes. Now, there's a lot of theories on why natural products are so useful uh, in the treatment of human disease. Some people, for example, think they've evolved to be in an inherently bioactive chemical space. And so this provides a lot of interest in discovering and developing natural product inhibitors. And I think it's fair to say that natural products often have a complex 3D architecture and represent a chemical space that's not often pursued, at least currently, by the pharmaceutical industry. So from our perspective, it's an interesting chemical space to be in. And I think in the area of epigenetics, it's worth noting that romadepsin is a histone deacetylase inhibitor that's been clinically approved, and this too is a naturally isolated compound. So, you know, there is certainly precedent to use natural products. Now, in terms of the chemical 
matter in this space. I mean, it's still very early days in the targeting of epigenetic enzymes um, with small molecules. And so really, there is a lack of chemical matter in this space. It's developing rapidly, but there's a lot of ways in which we could think to engage these targets. We feel that natural products may be one interesting angle. Very quickly, Matt, I just want to touch on one thing here. Most of these epigenetic inhibitors are being developed for cancer indications. Now, you're talking in particular, actually, is talking about infectious disease. So just quickly, could you tell us about the opportunities outside of cancer, particularly in infectious disease? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, what's interesting is epigenetic transcriptional control as a process is broadly conserved amongst many different species. And this includes many of the parasites which cause human diseases. So certainly, I'll be discussing our efforts to target the plasmodium parasite, which is a parasite which causes human malaria. Now, one thing that's particularly interesting uh, in this parasite is it certainly uses um, a number of epigenetic modifications to regulate transcription, but for a long time, there was a lack of any kind of recognizable transcription factors controlling transcription in this plasmodium parasite. That's led many to suggest that actually the malarial parasite is overly reliant on processes like epigenetics. So this provides a lot of uh, excitement around the idea of targeting such processes because the parasite might be particularly susceptible to inhibition of these types of targets. And therefore, it remains a really exciting area to discover um, novel agents that could tackle a disease such as malaria by targeting these epigenetic enzymes. So epigenetic therapy is like a relatively new concept, and you mentioned it's still very much in its infancy. And you know, we've seen a, sort of a first wave of inhibitors targeting mainly HDAX histone deacetylases and uh, DNA methyltransferases already approved in the U.S. So in your opinion, what has ignited all this interest in developing second-generation epigenetic inhibitors, particularly targeting the histone methyltransferases, histone demethylases, and bromodomains? And have we learned anything from the already approved compounds? Well, I think the, the first-generation inhibitors are really interesting, I guess, proof-of-concept molecules to engage in some of these targets that people are interested in. Now, while they have been approved and while they are useful medicines, um, particularly in the oncology space, there's still many challenges associated with them. I mean, they're known to be very promiscuous, so not just amongst the target class that they act against, but among a number of other targets. They have Related to that promiscuity, um, you could, with epigenetic targets, you could define a number of specificity metrics, but for example, uh, a lack of gene specificity to them. And in, indeed, in, in many of these first uh, class agents, um, there's uncertain mechanisms of action there on, on why tumors are responsive, or perhaps more importantly, why some tumors are not responsive um, to these agents. But nonetheless, I think these agents have suggested that this is a pathway that could lead to the development of effective and safe medicines. And so I think much of the second wave of interest is firstly aiming to tackle some of the limitations of these first-generation inhibitors, and secondly, to engage other players in that epigenetic machinery that could be uh, used for a therapeutic gain. I mean, I guess cancer is the most developed space uh, in this area, and it's really becoming absolutely apparent of the importance of epigenetics in the development and maintenance of an oncogenic state. And therefore, you know, 
potentially because of the role of epigenetics in cancer, if one knew how to engage these targets sufficiently well and knew the context in which you could use them, potentially epigenetics would provide a new target class um, that would rival, for example, something like the kinases. So Matt, I'd like to ask a sort of a hard question. It's always hard to summarize challenges in emerging fields, but what are some of the major challenges you have seen with the development of novel epigenetic inhibitors? And I, I guess I'd, I'm particularly interested in learning about the safety and toxicity issues of these new compounds, since with epigenetics you're controlling such broad cellular machinery. So what are these concerns you might have? So, I mean, the challenges are uh, large, should we say, and broad. And I'll, I'll just give a few examples. I mean, one that you mentioned earlier on, Kip, was hit matter, novel chemical hit matter for this target class. Now, I've talked to a number of industrial colleagues that have run multiple chemical screens against some of these targets, and it does seem that they're currently struggling to find chemical hit matter to engage some of these targets, despite the fact these targets are inherently druggable. Um, now, this may just be because it's a relatively new target class and it may be the chemical space contained within common chemical libraries just doesn't map on well to this new target class. And as we develop our understanding of engaging this class, um, that will further develop and it, and it won't be so much of a problem in the future. But at least currently, um, the identification of, of novel chemical hit matter is one. A second one is picking what are suitable assays to use. I mean, if your primary interest in, a, in an epigenetic enzyme is its functional activity on chromatin, you have to remember that chromatin is an incredibly complex uh, landscape and environment. And that's very hard to mimic in very simple biochemical assays. And that then begs the question, if you use a dramatically simplified assay, what do those results tell you? And is that the best way to judge and progress uh, compound. I mean, particularly with some of these targets, it's becoming apparent that they have both histone and non-histone um, targets. And sort of dissecting out what that means in terms of a compound that inhibits their function, both from an epigenetic point of view, but also from a non-histone point of view, is incredibly complex and still an ongoing question. In terms of safety, I mean, We've already talked briefly about the first-generation inhibitors that are reasonably promiscuous, but they nevertheless seem to be tolerated in the clinic, and they've made it to be effective medicines, at least in the oncology space. Now, there's a lot of reasons that one could give us to why these agents may not be as toxic as they were initially anticipated to be. I mean, the, if you're thinking about histone modification, you could think about histone modifications to have multiple layers of control. And so therefore, simply inhibiting one of these targets or a class of these targets may not be enough to broadly misregulate everything as people think might be the case in this field. But instead, you could find you know, a weakness of a particular disease-associated epigenetic state I guess related to toxicity and safety, the way the cancer field seems to be going, at least in terms of the histone methyltransferases, is targeting mutant uh, epigenetic enzymes, where those mutant epigenetic enzymes drive the cancer cell to build this aberrant epigenetic landscape. And therefore, if you can develop inhibitors that influence that cancer cell that relies on this mutant epigenetic state, perhaps you can target that cancer while not overly affecting healthy cells. So that might be one way to mitigate against the risk associated with safety.
Matt, we certainly have a great lineup of speakers at the Epigenetic Inhibitor Discovery Meeting. Any talks or topics that colleagues you're looking forward to hearing from during that event? I mean, particularly your feature presentation from Jian Jin's group at, at UNC. I mean, Jian Jin's published some really excellent work on uh, targeting the histone lysine methyltransferases, and I've followed his work closely. Uh, we've recently collaborated with him um, on the malaria work, so I'm fascinated to hear him talk. And I guess just to highlight one other, a colleague of mine from the UK, Stuart Conway from Oxford, is going to be talking on bromo domains, and I'm fascinated to see what a fellow UK academic has been up to in this space, because there's an awful lot of excitement around targeting bromo domains currently. So, Matt, we always like to end these podcasts with an outlook, and I guess that just to get your opinion, there's a lot of talk about epigenetics, epigenetic inhibitors, a lot of work being done both on the academic side and the pharmaceutical side. How quickly can we expect to see a second generation of novel medicines reaching patients? What do you think? Well, I guess I can mainly talk to the histone-lysine methyltransferase inhibitors in cancer, and I guess second-generation inhibitors of at least a couple of these enzymes have already entered clinical trials for certain uh, cancer subtypes. Um, I guess, you know, we can only say that time will tell if the preliminary exciting preclinical result will ultimately translate into an efficacious and safe medicine that will benefit patients. But I think everyone in the field is hoping that they certainly will. Now, if that is the case, if these proof-of-concept compounds that have entered the clinic behave themselves, I, I suppose one could expect to see uh, an approved medicine reaching patients in the next sort of five to ten years. But I think there's a tremendous amount of effort around targeting these pathways. So I, for one, am hopeful um, that this will translate into real new options for patients uh, in the near future. I've heard a lot about combination therapy with epigenetics. I've heard that this is sort of the way to go. Do you think this is where we'll see the greatest impact, using perhaps two epigenetic drugs simultaneously? I think, you know, combination therapy will very much depend on the disease. I mean, in the cancer space, combination therapy is, is... absolutely standard for, for chemotherapeutic regimes. And so one could suggest that combination therapies likely will be the future. I guess that begs the question, will it be a combination of an epigenetic therapeutic and a more conventional chemotherapy, or will it be two or more epigenetic drugs? Um, I guess ultimately there's a current lack of understanding of what combinations one would want to rationally use. And so I think as more of these more specific agents become available, some of these questions can start to be addressed and build rationale around what combinations should be appropriately used to help patients. Final question. So just to give a scope of where we are with epigenetics, some say that epigenetic enzymes are being compared to kinases where they'll provide years of fertile ground for discovery. Is this sort of your thinking as well? I mean, I certainly find it a fascinating area, both from the basic science point of view, but right through to the translational potential of these targets. I mean, I think there's a number of reasons why epigenetic enzymes have drawn an awful lot of attention. One thing is the fact that many of them are inherently druggable. So while there may be a lack of hit matter currently, as I say, I believe personally that this will be addressed in the future. And so technically, it should be possible to inhibit these targets. And as our understanding of the underlying biology of disease surrounding epigenetic processes develops, it is becoming apparent that the epigenetic pathways are at the root of several diseases. I mean, cancer is a really good example of that. As I said before, I I guess time will tell whether engaging these targets will translate into safe and effective medicines, particularly as many as the kinases 
have and continue to provide. But I guess my take-home message is that we'll certainly learn a lot on the way nonetheless. With that, I think we'll wrap up. Uh, Matt, always a pleasure speaking with you, and uh, thanks so much for your time and insights. And we look forward to your upcoming presentation at the Epigenetic Inhibitor Discovery Meeting next month. For those of you listening, if you'd like to find out more, please visit drugdiscoverychemistry.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing you at the conference. Bye.